Welcome to Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose, where we pull back the curtain on running a financial advisory business focused on providing intentional advice to couples and families. I'm Dennis Morton. And I'm Katie Brown. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. So this is a podcast about money and purpose. And today we're going to talk about the money and investing side and really reflecting on a unique place that we are in the markets. We're we're going to timestamp this a little bit. We're in the beginning of 2024 and we're coming off. Let's, you want to call it the most extraordinary four year period of our financial careers? Yeah, I think that's fair. Funny you say unique time right now. I feel like every time in the market is unique. Yes. <laughs> you you never know what you're going to get when you're going to get it. And and you have to be ready for anything. Yes, yes. And the last few years, when we talk about since the beginning of 2020, we've had you know, two bear markets. We've had fastest this, fastest that, recessions, fastest recession, fastest inflation, interest rates going bonkers. And I think it's been historic and exhausting. But there's a lot of lessons to be learned from this. And that's what we want to talk about today is kind of what we've learned from the last four years that we think will make us better investors no matter what comes in the future. So, Katie, 2023 was a complex year for investors and it felt like that exhaustion was kicking and they were worn down by all that had happened over the last few years. And then there's the way that it ended up. So talk about the arc of 2023 from an investor perspective. Sure. 2023, I think investors started off in a rough spot. Coming off of 2022 was such a challenging year. And in 2023, I think there were there were little like sparks of optimism. Mm-hmm. It, it can't be as bad as last year. We have to be working our way out of this. And and the the first month and a half or so, we actually we started to get some nice, uh, a nice recovery bounce at the beginning of 2023. And then everything with the banking systems and, you know, things just kind of meandered around a little bit until we got to the summertime. And then we got another good boost, which once again, I think people were like, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe we're going to really kind of get some, get some gas in that, in that recovery. But then come the end of July, it was a pretty steep sell-off all the way through September. And I think that's really when the exhaustion started to set in. Yeah. It was feelings of, oh, are we going to do this again? Are we back down to just flat returns on the year when this should be a stronger year? And I think we saw it in consumer sentiment. We really started to see that fall off. Mm-hmm. And even as we started to recover then the last quarter of the year, which was extraordinary. Yeah. It took a while and I think we're still getting caught up with some consumer sentiment. It took a while for investors to acknowledge what was happening around them because I think the mindset was we're just exhausted, we're just dragging along. But if you blinked, you missed the last quarter. Yeah, it was crazy. I, for the first 9 months of the year it felt like the best thing you could say about 2023 was a backhanded compliment. It's like, "Hey, at least there's no recession." And people yeah. like buying into it. It's like that that was going to be the standard recession or no, which there turned out not to be. But if you were a balanced investor, you were sitting at low single digits by the end of October on your portfolio returns. And then, you know, if you're sitting at 60, 40, 50, 50, whatever it may be, stocks and bonds, by the end of the year, you were solidly double digits. If you were, if you had a bond exposure, you know, aggregate bond exposure, S&P 500, some small caps did really well, international did well. It was a really broad diversification. And it kind of speaks to 
the challenges as an investor for the last four years has been there always seemed to be something else working really well while other things weren't. Mm-hmm. Cash is working really well while stocks and bonds aren't. Uh, cryptocurrency is working really well while other things aren't. And there's temptations to keep leaping from one thing to the other. What I, what I saw from the last quarter was you just have to be really patient for when the returns show up because they can show up completely unannounced, which it seemed that they did. Yes. You know who did a really good job talking consistently about different things working at different times and challenges kind of bubbling up in different places? Lizanne Saunders from Schwab. Yes. Chief Investment Officer at Schwab. She's been talking a lot the last couple of years about these rolling recessions. Mm -hmm. And all through 2022, there was always, even in 2022, there were things that weren't as bad as we thought they would be, while other things really struggled. And I think especially through the first part of the year in 2023, we continued to see some of that working its way through the system. But you're exactly right. The patience to stay in there really paid off in the fourth quarter. Very well diversified returns, which I think was something else. I mean, even even earlier in the year in 2023, coming off of the spring into the first part of the summer, we had a nice rally, but it was very acute. It was a handful of large cap stocks that drove everything. So it didn't feel as supported, whereas the fourth quarter, a diversified investor was finally rewarded. And we don't know exactly how that's going to continue or how it's not, which is actually part of our conversation right now. Mm -hmm. So how should we be thinking about this, Dennis? I've been pondering this. I actually wrote something on it yesterday. I wanted to pull that forward because I was trying to think if there are things that have happened in the last four years that are going to help me, us, our clients be better investors in the future. And I look at it on a continuum. On one side of the continuum is history, all the things that have passed. And there's no shortage of information about what's happened in in the last four years. You can look back on the pandemic and geopolitics, policies, whatever it might be. There's plenty of things to look at and see what happened. On the other side of the continuum is all the things that could happen. Mm -hmm. And that's where things get really messy because people fear the worst. Sometimes they try and fight the last war and take what what just happened and project that out into the future. So those two ends of the continuum are challenging. There's what just happened and all the information we have and what little information we have about the future. I think the critical part is the middle of that continuum, where we are right now. The key is through all of this to be unemotional, as unemotional as you can in the present. And I thought that because... Tell me if you've ever heard this from in talking with someone, especially, you know, we talk to clients about their performance at the end of the year. They're like, hey, you guys did a great job. Good job with the performance at the end of the year. It doesn't move the needle. We didn't do anything there. Yeah. I don't feel like it was a win or a loss. It just was. The returns came. Good. That's what, that's what markets do in the long term. That lack of emotion, I think, is a really important part of this. So when I think about looking back at the past, It serves to keep us informed, period. Just know that anything can happen. Mm -hmm. When I think about the future, there's grounds for optimism. Things tend to go up and to the right over time. The key is not getting so hung up on the emotions of either side and staying unemotional in the present so you don't make the big mistake along the way. Does that make sense? Yes, I do think that makes sense. You're right. As soon as you let those emotions set in, then you start tinkering, you make mistakes. More so than that, even if you don't, once you let those set in, then you you just create anxiety. At the very least, 
you're creating probably unnecessary anxiety. If you have a plan, if you understand the investment philosophy, the overall structure of the pieces that you have, then I think that you can approach you know, whatever's happening in the market daily, monthly, quarterly from an unemotional standpoint. You're like, okay, I have the plan. I have optimism about the future because I know I put the work into to getting that, that core piece together. Yeah. And, and I really do think the role of an advisor exists right there in the middle, right at that unemotional present place. And I, I feel very fortunate to have the background as a, as a history major to appreciate that, but to not get so caught up in what happened. Like history doesn't repeat itself. Sometimes it rhymes, but it doesn't repeat itself. And we just try and stay informed. That's one of the things that's a conundrum for me about, and I'm going to talk about people in general, how even though we went through the experience of 2020 together, people are still surprised that stuff can happen. <laughs> because let's face it, in Jan- this time four years ago, I did not have pandemic on my bingo card. And yet, two months later, my kids were home for the next year. So anything can happen in the short term. We should not be surprised by that. But in the long term, it's okay. Like that, that four-year period should t- teach us nothing more than that, and we can be better investors. You know what else I think that we could do better as a society is to give ourselves more credit. Give ourselves more credit that we can weather far more than we expect. And I think oftentimes that those emotions that set in, in the middle, in the moment, in the time, discounts our ability to manage through the challenges that that may be coming down the road. That is, that is so true. Especially, all right, we're coming up on election season. Have you ever survived an election that went against your particular party? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, I think you're going to be fine. But that, that's a really hard, com- it's a tough conversation to have. Have you ever survived a, a period where the market was down 10%? Yes or no? Re- reinforcing, you can do hard things and you can navigate that. And oh, by the way, if you need someone to help you be calm and unemotional, that's what we should be doing. If your advisor is trying to predict the future or anchoring on something in the past, that's not really productive. That unemotional phase of being very present and reminding you that you're strong enough to do this and your plan, your plan is well thought through, then that, that's invaluable. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that, that show up when we talk about emotions getting the best of us? Where does that show up? Where do people make mistakes in that regard? You know, I think it, I think it starts pretty simply by just paying a little bit more attention mm. and then paying a lot more attention. And then once you get to the point where you're checking your balances on a daily basis and saying, all right, is my money up? Is my money down? Is my money up? Is my money down? Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. And then I think that will typically morph into, I need to do something. And then the reality is you might not need to do something. Right. But if you're, if you're, you're kind of zooming in constantly, you're, you're starting to get on, on some rocky ground there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's treacherous because there's always somebody there willing to sell you something different mm-hmm. than what you're, than what you're already doing. So that you have to be careful of that. And also you tune into the noise of the markets a little bit more. You start seeking out different viewpoints and everything else. And we've talked about, go back and listen to our podcast on investment philosophy. Like, do you have that armor to say, this is how I invest and there's a particular way. And there's a reason why I invest this way. 
And that should be insulating you from the temptations of outside voices that don't know who you are, don't know what you're trying to accomplish or what your full balance sheet looks like, what your full situation looks like. And also remember, most of those outside voices, they have another incentive. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are trying to sell something. They're trying to, I mean, even if it's, you know, on the news, like the news, the news that sells is the news that's negative and creates fear. So there's there's always an underlying incentive with voices out there that, to your point, Dennis, may not know you and your situation. So so be careful in getting caught up in the commentary. Are there, are there things that you do to kind of manage your near-term emotions about the markets? I mean, we don't want to look past this and say it's it's an unemotional thing. Oh, it's very, like seeing things go up and down, there have been some really dramatic times in the last couple of years where we looked at it and said, we don't know what's going on here to the upside and the downside. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you do to maintain that, for lack of a better term, stoicism in the moment? I've talked about it before. I I don't ever look at anything in the short term. Mm-hmm. You know, I almost never look at what is the market doing today unless I'm actively trading something where market movement might make a difference. But but then it's just through the lens of let me make sure I do this accurately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not necessarily through the lens of I need to do something different. I think my go-to reaction is to zoom out. Mm. Build that context, zoom out, look at things in, in larger swaths of time. And maybe to your point, maybe look at history because you're right. History is not necessarily going to repeat, but it's going to rhyme. So when we've had other periods similar to X, Y, Z, what have been some of the historical outcomes? What What is reasonable to potentially build into the thought process going forward? One of my antidotes to the emotional side is to never look at anything in a vacuum. So sometimes we'll sit with a client and they'll say, hey, this fund appears to be doing poorly. Is there something we should be doing differently? And what, they're not talking about a fund necessarily, they're talking about an asset class. So I'll, I'll pick on emerging markets. Hey, this emerging markets fund seems to be doing poorly. Well, if I look at an emerging markets fund, I'm comparing it to other emerging markets funds. It's always in comparison to something. Mm-hmm. Even things like um, if I look at a, the performance of an asset class or a fund, Look at it in comparison to alternatives and, and put it in context of something else. Because objectively, we've talked about this before, diversification means always having to say, I'm sorry. Something's always at the bottom. Yes. And so if you look at it on a comparative basis over longer periods of time, things start to make sense. If you look at it in a vacuum, just seeing up or down tells you nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a really, it can tempt you into bad behavior and, and feeling emotional about what it is that you own. That's why we stay away from individual stocks so often. Yes. It's because it, it just, it tempts you into a story. And I don't want the emotions of a story, either one that I'm familiar with, one that I'm enthused about, scared of, anything else. I just want to own it. Mm-hmm. And there are too many things that can influence an individual stock performance versus the indice as a whole. Yeah. So much of the innovation that's happened among financial products in particular over the last 20 years has all helped people to be less emotional and less tied into the story. And I think we're still fighting that battle a little bit. There's still work to be done, but we're going we're gonna to spend some more time kind of building out this continuum. I think if we had to summarize here today, though, you really want to think about how to stay informed how, and how your advisor can help you stay informed about the past, remind you of some of the things that have happened in the past, remind you of some of the things that you've been through and endured successfully. Mm-hmm. Then also be optimistic about the future. Even in your personal life, there's a lot to be excited about. I think sometimes people are like, oh, I'm worried about my neighbor. Stop it. 
focus here, bring it back in, put the guardrails on. A lot to be excited about life ahead, the things that you can do, the agency you have, um, and the markets tend to go up and to the right in the long term. The key to experiencing that wholly is to make sure you're not at a fever pitch emotionally in the present unnecessarily. Anyone who did that in 2023 was probably rewarded pretty well by the end. And in 2020 mm-hmm. and in other years, other periods. In the one, three, five, 10, 20 year periods. Yep. Stick yep. to the plan. That's, that's it. So this is a little bit of a discussion around the mindset of an investor. You, you won't hear us talk often about the strategies and tactics of investing because that really depends upon your plan. It depends upon what your tolerance is and a lot of things that we could never discuss with you unless we're looking at your specific plan. But mindsets become more universal. And it's really helpful, I think, to sometimes step back and say, do I have the right mindset that's going to lead to greater possibilities of success for me in the future? So thanks for joining us on the conversation today. Give us any feedback you have or things that you think you've learned over the last four years to help make you a better investor. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose. We hope you enjoy getting to know us, how we approach leading a financial advisory practice, and the work we do every day to help families and couples make important financial decisions. Morton Brown Family Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This podcast is designed for educational and informational purposes and not intended as investment advice. More information can be found at www.mortonbrownfw.com. Quick question for you. Mm-hmm. If we did have a guest on the podcast, would you have a financial person, a C-list actor, or an athlete? Which would be more interesting? Uh, athlete. <laughs> what sport? I don't know. Something interesting that I don't know much about. Curling? Sure. Are the Winter Olympics this year? I don't uh, know. 24. It's got to be something. It's got to be something. Oh, no, because it's Summer Olympics in Paris, I think. All right. right. Our, our goal is to have some obscure Olympian on the podcast by, by the end of summer. Some, somebody, somebody's going to come out of nowhere and win something, and they're going to be on Simply Why. That, that's, the, that's the goal. So start, start writing your questions now. It'll be, it'll be great. What would be the draw for them? I, I don't know. We, we've, we're going to have to build up to that between now and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. We're going to have to make not sure podcast. what they get out of it. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. We're, we're going to have to make this a lot more exciting. This podcasting <laughs> thing.